Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Thursday Morning MV Pro Call. Today is August 31st, and I'd like to welcome those of you that are here live, as well as those, those of you listening to this via recording, which, of course, you can do by subscribing to MotorVitality on whatever podcast application you happen to use, or by visiting MotorVitality.com, where you can listen to years and years and years worth of archives. Um, normally, start the call off a little differently than I do than I will today, but we have a, a guest speaker uh, today, so I'm going to jump straight in to introducing our guests so that we have time to to have the conversation with uh, Brett Tangley. So we are Brett and I were just talking. It's been since 2016 that Brett last joined us on this call uh, as a guest, and at that time he had just finished his tenure as Water Quality Association president. And so, um, Brett, for those of you that don't know him, uh, he's actually been doing this since before he was born, so for like 41 years. Um, <laughs> so he's been in the, in the industry um, as actually a Kelly man. His third generation owns a dealership, uh, actually a series of dealerships, um, Sterling, uh, Sterling Water, and um, where he serves as president and CEO of that. I could, there's a whole long biography here that talks about just how much Brett has done for this industry and, and, and all his involvement, the awards that his dealerships have won. This just suffice it to say that this is a guy that when you, if you have any involvement at all in this industry, you'll see that here's a guy who always brings a positive attitude, just an incredible uh, wisdom and and uh, um, just a, just a just a great guy for our industry and somebody to know. So, um, Brett, I could read your whole biography, but I'd rather hear directly from you. You're on today in the capacity of uh, being WQA, uh, WQRF president, and so welcome, Brett. I'm, I'm thrilled to have you on. Thank you so much for being here. Good morning. Well, thank you, Kelly. That's the nicest introduction I've had all day, and truthfully. And uh, <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, it probably just speaks to more to how long, um, how how lucky, and how long of a fruitful career I've had in water treatment. And so it's nice to be here. Thanks for having me, and I'm I'm terrifically excited to let your listeners know a little bit more about a really uh, important aspect of this industry that frankly, Kelly, probably doesn't get enough uh, attention and probably doesn't get enough fanfare, and that's the work that the Water Quality Research Foundation uh, does. So we'll, I'll look forward to, to sharing some of that with you all today. Well, let's start with just the basics there, Brett. Uh, what exactly is WQRF? I mean, I, I will tell you, you know, everybody knows WQA. Anybody who's been on this call, we talk an awful lot about WQA. There's WQA certification. But when you go to any of the conventions or the meetings, or sometimes you'll see it pop up on, on social media, there's this WQRF thing going on. What, what the heck is WQRF and how does it relate to our industry? Yeah, I, I agree, Kelly. And, and uh, you know, I used to even, you know, kind of giggle about it as, as what was it? Was it, the, uh, was it the stepsister of WQA? But, but it, in truth, the, the res it's a research foundation. And, and it's the, it's the research organization dedicated to advancing uh, the science of sustainable water and the knowledge through academic research. And it's got a long history, Kelly, and I, I, uh, I, I did a little research and got a little help from Kelly at, uh, at WQRF, but believe it or not, it, it started in 1951, and 
It has conducted a variety of research throughout the years and really been pivotal in shaping legislation and regulatory direction, um, you know, proving science-based uh, technologies that have been successful in serving this industry. And, and it's got a, a long list of really cool things that it's done and, and, and impactful people that have been involved. In fact, Kelly shared with me uh, that uh, its first symposium uh, dates back to 1965, Kelly, and, and it featured Senator Robert F. Kennedy. And, and he oh. spoke about the value and the costs of providing quality water and the need to prevent contamination uh, to the public and to water supplies throughout the United States. So it's really got a neat, long, um, decorated history and done amazing research projects that, that even still today are making impacts uh, for the folks that are on your call and at kitchen tables across North America and the world. So what kind of studies? I mean, when you say talk science, I mean, what kind of studies have, you know, have they done and how is it going to impact us? Yeah, so, so you know, the ones that have happened, Kelly, that have been long-standing and really been anchors of, of the association, both for the foundation and then obviously they become a pivotal part of the, of the tapestry, if you will, that WQA weaves in terms of educating its members and educating its consumers and regulators. But the, the, a couple that, that really have been used for a long time, the softened water benefits study, the, the, the study that, that proved out the you know, soap savings and the, and the uh, reduction in scale buildup and uh, clothing and hair and all of those things, the softened water benefits study. We also embarked on a very important one regarding septic tanks and water softener discharge into septic and you know, sort of debunking the myths, if you will, Kelly, that have long-standing been in, in that on-site waste uh, sector where they've said, gosh, water softeners are you know, damaging on-site uh, on waste and, and the septic study was huge in demything and debunking that. Um, we've also so that one was done with. I'm sorry, that, that yeah. one was done in conjunction with the septic system industry, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Naura, I believe it's Naura, um, is the uh, acronym for the on-site waste uh, group of people, and we we did it in conjunction with them. And I, if I'm not mistaken, the Virginia Tech did the study, uh, and it isn't. Uh, you know, it's not terribly old. There was also an original one, I, I believe, done by the University of Wisconsin. So. That's been a huge one, Kelly. There's been a couple other ones that have been very, even more recent. The, the dangers of the counterfeit filters. I think you all recall, maybe even had talked about it in, in these calls. Uh, but there was a terrible counterfeit filter situation that had, was going on uh, in and around the pandemic, where uh, a number of uh, people were trying to introduce counterfeit filters that made that made claims that were inappropriate and, and WQRF was, was critical in, in proving out the science about counterfeit filters and uh, you know, throwaway cartridges, um, the reduction of salt discharge and, and the, the whole issue about a, a dealing with chlorides. And then I think the one that's, that we most recently did and we're currently and I think will constantly live on, Kelly, is, 
In 2020, we did the contaminant occurrence map. And WQRF just continues to work on making this you know, enormous project more user-friendly, make the map more useful, and, and make that a tool for the pros that you have on this call and the pros that lay across the globe, trying to make sure that consumers can see quality third-party information assembled in an easy-to-use, clear format, but educating and informing them about what potentially is in their water supply. Yeah, so that one, that one is really cool, and I'm glad you brought that one up. So just to, to be a little more in, uh, in detail on that one, um, in case people haven't heard about what that is, you can actually pull up a map of the United States, and there, how many contaminants are on there? There's, there's do you know off, offhand? I, I, you know, I don't many? know off the top of my head. I probably should know that, Kelly, but I don't. But there are, there are a number of contaminants, and it's the, it's yeah. the collection of data that is yeah. uh, from each state and municipality. It's really cool. So, so arsenic, and I, I know some of the relevant ones that I've seen are, you know, arsenic and PFAS. PFAS is a, is a big one, of course. That's that what everybody is talking about um, lately. But, um, you know, arsenic, uh, I think nitrates is on there. Yeah. Um, there's uh, uh, chromium, I believe, is on there. Uh, I, there's, I mean, there's just tons of them. And you can actually go in and, and narrow it all the way down to district to region. So, you can look at a state and, and really zoom in on the map and get some just incredible data. Although I, I do want to mention that sometimes when you look at that map that you'll see an entire state, for example, with PFOS where uh, it's blank. There's no PFOS there. It's not that there's no PFOS in that state. It's that the information is not reported. So, but that's yeah, a, and, a definitely and you know, one. Kelly, it's one of those where we really continue to, to – there's some – really work actually being done on it every day right now as we continue to try and prove it. What, what, how I like to talk about it in our organization and how I think we should talk about it in, in the industry is it certainly gives you um, terrific indications of what might be in your area, what might be in the region you live in, what are some um, you know, contaminants or things that you should be on the lookout. It doesn't get down to the individual homeowner um, or right. the person on a, a private supply, but it certainly does directionally tell a person if I lived in, in, and I live in Eau Claire County in Wisconsin, it certainly gives me directionally what kinds of contaminants in that region or in that area I should be concerned about. Then obviously if I want to take further tests and and get drilled down to the specifics, I can do that. Certainly also the municipality information, Kelly, is really critical because obviously that sends a message about what might be in your municipal water. And, what, uh, and, and again, there are folks out there that are becoming growingly concerned about you know, even trace amounts of, of contaminants that are in a municipal or a private supply. So um, it, I think that's what I call a process, not an event. That's a map that will always evolve. And um, it's the gift that sort of keeps on giving. And uh, we'll just continue to try to make it user-friendly and, and enhance it as we go. So you talked about how WQRF has been really valuable in being able to provide information to legislators. And I know that you're very involved. I always see you um, at uh, the DC fly-in. always encourage everybody to get involved with that. If you've, if you've never gone, 
you're on this call and you've never gone, we usually do that in the spring. And wow, what a, what an incredible it's just a, it's really a neat experience. I mean, just to even being able to go to the Capitol and sit down and talk to the legislators and their staff, and and um, you know, when they're not pontificating in front of the television cameras, in most cases they're actually willing to sit down. I mean, they they want to to uh, help their constituents, you know, and they may have different views on how they go about it, but they seem very receptive to listening to us. I've I've never seen anybody that hasn't welcomed us in there and, and just really interested in what we have to say. But but how um, how does WQRF come into play with that? And and I, I'd like to expand that because a lot of the people on this call, if they've not been to DC to the Capitol at the at the federal level, this is this is a resource that you can use at the local level. So maybe you could talk a little bit about how somebody might uh, use this information, you know, to to meet with their city councilman. Yeah, you know, I, mean, yeah. I mean, it starts there at the local level, at the, the small municipalities. Yeah, I, I think when you talk about one of the things that, that's, that's just a growing part of this association and industry is, is that, that the challenge that you have is that we know that there are proven technologies and products and devices in our industry that are capable, Kelly, of of reducing and removing um, unwanted contaminants in people's water, right? We, we know that. What the, what the challenge has been or continues to be always is having a, uh, and I was on a meeting the other day and, and uh, we, with Jeremy from the legislative um, uh, uh, director at the WQA and, and Mae Stevens was on and, and she talked about how in legislative terms, if you're, not at the table, you're on the menu. And, and you know, I've heard that before, Kelly, but it just really rang true for me in this situation that we continue to want to be able to not only <clears throat> talk about, but prove with, with scientific um, data from third-party qualified laboratories and academic institutions and universities, et cetera, about the, the quality of these products and the quality of these offerings and the affordability of these offerings and the portability of them, the ability to be able to act quickly. And so one of the things that I think just continues to be a, uh, one of our missions is, is that we, we show regulators and legislators that these sciences work and that these technologies are not expensive. They're affordable. And and we can install them in a couple of days, and we can improve situations for people, you know, immediately in many cases. And and I think that's that Kelly having scientific and and uh, quality research data is is a language that speaks to regulators and legislators. Right? They're not going to take our word for it, and we just need to constantly be armed with quality information. And I don't think that's any different from the listeners on this call. I know you have a lot of sales professionals that call in here and want to be a pro in the field. And I have no doubt that everybody that's listening to this is a pro. And to me, a pro is somebody who comes from a, a, a viewpoint of knowledge, who comes from a viewpoint of educate and answer. 
and comes to people not with as a charlatan with smoke and mirrors and fancy um, uh, misleading uh, information, but comes to them with stuff that they can actually show will make a difference for consumers and change their life and their family's lives. That's you know, really what pulls on me, Kelly. When I go to bed every day, the thing that's been magic to me about this industry forever is we're, make, we're doing worthwhile work and we're making a difference for not only the people that work with us and for us, but the c consumers we serve and the public. I mean, we're improving people's lives through the water that they use and consume. And that's pretty awesome, frankly. It's pretty awesome. What is the process for determining what studies they do? You know, so so I, you've mentioned several that are relevant. So how do you know? How are the decisions made for what is going to get studied? And, yeah. and What's the process of, of going? You know, of, of making that happen? I I wish I, I wish I could tell you it was always crystal clear, and I wish I could tell you it was just as clean and neat as always. But like all of these things, Kelly we have a variety of inputs. So what I would say to you is many times these topics have come through committees or task forces or even members uh, who have pointed out challenges that they were having in the field or issues that were popping up. And, and, and what happens is, is those issues start to you know, come input, become inputs, Kelly, whether it's from media sources that we read or, or dealers that have representatives in the field and they come upon these things from consumers or questions that come up. And, and what happens is, is we have staff members at WQA, we have staff members at WQRF, we have a research steering committee and a task force that looks in at the, you know, the landscape, if you will, of ideas. And we, we start to run that through a series of lenses and filters, Kelly, with a, a, you know, a myriad of qualified experts in the industry to try to just say, how do we prioritize these, Kelly? What's closest to, to the ground? What's most needed today? Um, what's most impactful? Is there researchers interested and available to provide you know, information about this? And so it's a, I, I would just say it's a, um, it's a diverse process that involves a whole bunch of folks, and I, what, I, what I think I, at the end I would tell you I'm really proud of is that I think we've really ended up on stuff that really made a difference on the ground. And, and you know, you, you'll, you'll see those, those studies on the, on the site, but there's also a, an incredible toolbox in WQRF, and, and Kelly, maybe we'll talk about it as some of the kinds of things that are also in that WQRF toolbox that members and the yeah. public and people can use um, uh, to help move. Such, such as? Some, go on, go on and, uh, and share some of that. There's soft and water benefits calculator. There's some one-minute research videos um, that are easy for consumers and, and water treatment professionals to show. There's, there's educational web pages on a variety of, of topics, including water treatment options, contaminants, um, so it's a place that you can go and, and get information about, you know, what, what is PFAS or what is chromium-6 or what, is, what are these things. Um, and then obviously it's, a, it's the, the WQRF.org um, website is, has all the studies. It has the PFAS education page. Um, 
it's just a, it's just a, it's a place you should go. And Kelly, I, while we were talking, I, I just, I pulled it up on my screen, and there's, you asked how many contaminants, 57 different drinking water contaminants, um, in the United States is is in that data collection effort on that contaminant list. You know, from 46 regulated agencies. Um, so it's and it just continues to grow. It just continues to build. It continues to evolve. Thanks to, to the work of Callie Matheny and Kayla Harriot and, and a number of people um, in the industry that are making that happen. I got to tell you, it's and you're right. A lot of the people on this call are are you know in the field. They're sales uh, sales professionals, or there's some owners and managers here as well. Um, but they're you know sometimes it's 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 difficult to get out of your bubble. You know, and when you're working in your area and in your field. One of the most rewarding experiences I had was of serving on a task force for one of the studies that was done a couple of years ago, and it was really awesome learning the process. and And we went down to a to Purdue University at a lab um, to really look at what they were doing. It's really cool. So if there's somebody, even uh, you mentioned task force and and members. Uh, how would they get involved, and would they be welcome to get involved? I mean, let's say you're a, a sales professional in the field, um, you know, and your primary job is out there, um, you know, going to the home and, and presenting this stuff. Would that individual be welcome on a task force or, or to be part of WQRF in any way? Yeah, yeah, and I, yeah, and, and I think too, Kelly, that it oftentimes these things start by that individual or those individuals being active in their state or their regional uh, water quality association too. So, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes these things are very grassroots and they get involved because they care about the water in the state of Michigan or the, or the state of Wisconsin or the state of New York. But as you talked about it, that's, there's also a number of committees and task force at WQA and what we always say is we're on the we're always looking for people that want to become more involved and are actively working in the field and getting their name and in, in, you know made aware of to committee chairs and to staff members so that we can build a list of of interested parties Kelly and I know you know you and I are two of the examples of how that happened I mean I I wasn't you know laughingly I was born into this industry but but I had to raise my hand and jump up and down and wave my arms and, and, and start my way somewhere. And it was on task force in the dealer section and, and, and those kinds of places and, and, you know, found my passion and found things that I could contribute to just like you have. And I would encourage others to do it because there's no shortage of need for people to have energy towards building these things out. So how does well, what is the biggest challenge you would you would say with you know, moving forward with, with uh, WQRF or or even you know WQA as part of it but but specifically on the WQRF side what what's the biggest challenge? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, you know, my first one, my first thought would always be Kelly that that the, at the that the pace at which the world moves. And these things come at us. You know, I, you talk about PFAS as an example. You know, we weren't talking about this, even though folks were aware of it and the government had known about it and, 
and whatnot for some time. We weren't talking about PFAS at the pace and intensity 24 months ago that we're talking about it today. So I think one of the challenges, Kelly, is to always be ready and try to be in front of these issues, right, of what's the next topic or contaminant or challenge that we're going to face. Uh, I think, secondly, uh, one of the big challenges is, is how do we, like you talked about, select and prioritize projects and then find the best researchers that are interested in moving these projects forward and, you know, and marrying those things up. And how do you prioritize and marry those up? Because you want all your research to be impactful, Kelly, and you want it all to be the tip of the spear and you want it to come out at just the perfect time, right, so that you can, you can provide it and help in shaping not only legislation and regulation, but shaping the way our industry responds. And then I, I think the ongoing challenge is always funding, right? Whether, whether we want to talk about that or, or not, um, you know, WQRF exists because of the generosity and, and, and commitment of its industry and its related members who have been very generous in funding its operations. And we're in the middle of a, of a campaign now, Kelly, so I, I'd be remiss if I didn't tell you that always having funds available because research and science and this kind of information just doesn't happen. It, it, it costs money and it takes time. So those would be my, my quick answers, Kelly, as the biggest challenges we face. Yeah, I want to talk about that last one for just a second because when you go to the WQA meetings, you, they, they always do have, you know, the, there's great people. I know your, your organization has done it. I've seen, you know, Packard. Uh, um, just, there, there's, there's a ton of people who give these huge checks, you know, gigantic amounts from these large companies. I want to stress the importance, um, for those of you listening, of you don't have to give a $10,000 check or a $5,000 check. $10 makes a difference. And it's those small, if you're looking at doing something worthwhile to help move this industry forward, and it is a not-for-profit. So it's, you know, this is, this is something that you can truly donate. WQRF.org is what it is. So I, I would encourage everybody listening to this call, if you're looking at, uh, you know, some place to, to give 50 or 100 bucks or, or even $5 to, um, some of the research that this organization does, that WQRF does, is really has a, a, a direct and indirect impact on, on our lives and, and our industry. Yeah, oh, it, it's incredible. Do you incredible. mind if I – oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jen. Go do ahead, you mind Jen. if I, I – I have a, a feeding off of that a little bit. You know, we've talked about the WQRF studies on this call, and I know that um, many of us that are on the call use the WQRF studies you know, whether it's the soap savings or the energy savings, um, the Cal study, the septic savings. And one challenge I would love to make is that if you feel that you have made a sale because of using that WQRF study in your sales presentation, then maybe take half of your commission and donate it. And, and like Kelly said, even if it's $10, $10 and it's only one sale that you give half your commission, I think that would be amazing. Yeah, and, and like you're, you're right, Jen, and, 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 and I think a couple of things, you know, when you go to that donor and, and there's a list of those donors and you go there, I, I think you can see great pride in, in the diversity 
across the industry. It's not just one or two people. There, there's incredible brands, incredible dealers, incredible manufacturers and supporters of this industry. You know, we've, we've raised over $4 million towards a goal of $5 million. Jen, Kelly, you're right. Your words, the people that listen to this, the people that are members, um, there's an opportunity to, grow, to donate. Any gift helps make a big difference. And it feels great to participate in something that you know turns around and gives back to you with quality information that makes your job, your life, your consumer situation more fulfilling and enriching. So I, I can't stress enough, wqrf.org slash donate. You'll see it on there. You can see the, 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 the people that have supported it, the, the individuals that have led the campaign, and you can also easily make a donation if you'd like. And, and I appreciate you guys being willing to promote that, Kelly, because again, this is a non-for-profit that turns around and spends all of its money back trying to support the efforts of this industry. Brett, we've got about one minute left uh, on our time here. Any final thoughts that you want to leave us with? You, you know, I think my final thought would be this, is I'll bet many people either at one point in time or another thought about visiting our site or maybe they visited it a while ago and they haven't in a good long while. If I was going to ask one thing as we hang up, is go to the go to the site go to wqrf.org wqrf.org and take a look peruse the site spend a few minutes you know maybe make a commitment to improve your knowledge and your information set for 15 minutes today and i'll bet you'll see something that you had forgotten about maybe a, a tool that you used to use and 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 for whatever reasons, it, it wasn't front and center for you. And I just would say to you, there is amazing um, information there for not only the individuals on this call, but their consumers and the public. And I just hope that they'll look at that contaminant occurrence map and use these materials because ultimately that's going to raise this industry's profile across all markets and in all settings. And I can't thank you, Kelly, and Jennifer enough for giving us 30 minutes to tell our story uh, in a more impactful and professional way. Uh, we owe you an incredible debt of gratitude for your generosity and time. Well, thank also, you. Thank you very much, Brett. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. I also want to mention that anybody yeah. at the Eastern Water Quality Association, I will be presenting how to use WQRF studies in your marketing and sales presentation. So, um, those that are attending EWQA, uh, please, I, I believe that I'm doing that on Friday. So stick around for Friday. Yeah, I would also like those of you that are on this call for the first time or who don't often join us, remember, please remember we, uh, we hold this call every Thursday morning from 8.30 to 9 uh, Eastern. Same bat number, same bat time. So, um, uh, Brett, I really appreciate your information, your passion, your energy, and, and your willingness to come on and, and talk about this on our call. Thank you very much. Um, everybody else, please, uh, we'll talk to you next week, if not before. Be safe. Everybody have a great weekend. Cheers. Thanks.